This is Ed Asner, and you're listening to No Lies Radio. Welcome to PSI Saturday, Explorations in Paranormal Research. This is Alan Reese of No Lies Radio, your host. PSI Saturday, Explorations in Paranormal Research covers some of the most way-out topics of our day, including flying saucers, ESP, reincarnation, psychic research, psychokinesis, time travel, survival, astral travel, alien abductions, and more. We scour the world to find and gather debates and presentations that are extremely informative and educational. Related subjects are also discussed. It provides key information for the uninitiated and the initiated alike. Today, coming up is a very special show on super soldiers, the Manchurian candidates, sleeper assassins, mind control. Self-professed super soldiers Duncan Ophinian and David Corso speak at the Project Camelot conference in Los Angeles in September 2009. They take surprising questions from the audience. The show begins with a 10-minute segment from Jesse Ventura's conspiracy theory program on mind control in which Duncan Ophinian is featured in the first few minutes in the parking garage talking to Jesse. Watch for him. Now, on to the show. Hidden power, secrets, cover-ups, corruption. You think you know the whole story? Think again. I've been governor, a Navy SEAL, a fighter. I've heard things that'll blow your mind. And now I think it's time you get the whole story. Now, the Sleeper Assassins. A government plot to turn ordinary citizens into programmed killers. This is a real thing, not just science fiction. Plucked from the crowd, subjected to mind control, tortured, and turned into ticking time bombs who kill on command. You can take control over somebody's mind to the point where they essentially are your robot. They don't know when they'll strike, and when they do, they won't remember. Their memory is completely wiped out permanently. Jesse Ventura and his conspiracy team infiltrate the government's hair-trigger conspiracy. And Jesse goes face-to-face with one of the killers. This is bizarre, to say the least. It goes beyond bizarre. They call them Manchurian candidates, super soldiers, the government's real-life predators. I'm Jesse Ventura, and this is Conspiracy Theory. A downtown parking garage. A showdown between two warriors. Former Navy SEAL Jesse Ventura and a self-professed government assassin. I was never told why. Just that's a target, eliminate. Jesse Ventura knows what it's like to confront an enemy on the battlefield. But what has he walked into now? Have you killed people? I have. Am I in danger now? He's about to find out, and he's ready for action. There I was, looking into the eyes of a man who said he was a programmed killer. A killer for our government. And you want to know the strangest part? After all we'd uncovered, his story didn't seem so strange at all. It all began when we got a call from a law professor who said he'd gotten his hands on some declassified CIA papers.
We're talking about mind control. Right. Who are the people who are the victims? Who are the people who are the perpetrators? Mind control as an ability to take over somebody else's mind is not science fiction. It is possible. Alan Shefflin is more than a top legal scholar. He's the award-winning author of books like The Mind Manipulators. A courtroom expert on mind control, he sought out Jesse Ventura because his research indicates the CIA is creating a new kind of weapon. I think that the government is still in the mind control business. Now, I, I'm familiar with back in the 50s and early 60s what they always term MKUltra. Yes. Is that part of this? Uh, well, they're all related. They're all, they're all related. Yeah, I mean, they had interaction with all the, the different agencies, and they're all part of mind and behavior control experiments. Okay. That we certainly can prove, and the agencies don't deny that they did that. Would these techniques ultimately lead to Manchurian candidates that we've all heard about? People who are more or less hypnotized, programmed, robotic, who would go out and do a political assassination or things of that nature? The Manchurian Candidate. The label for the brainwashed assassin entered popular culture through a novel and two movies. Many assume it's all make-believe. The, the first question, I think, is whether the construct of a Manchurian candidate is possible. You know, can you take control over somebody's mind to the point where they essentially are your robot and they're not aware that they are so acting? And, and the, what's the answer to that? The answer to that is yes. So it gives plausible denial. You got the typical lone nut assassin, and no conspiracy, nobody tied they to him. They never revealed the information because they didn't know they had it. Why do you necessarily, would the government need a Manchurian candidate to do an assassination when you could take a highly trained Navy SEAL and get the job done? Amnesia. If they're assassinating someone who they deem should be assassinated, mm -hmm. a villain of some sort out right. there in the world, right. say an Al-Qaeda terrorist out there, why would they feel fear of the assassin talking about it? One of the ideas of a Manchurian candidate is to get somebody from another government to assassinate their head of state. What do you want me to do? I would like you to do many things if you could. One is to investigate whether or not the, the intelligence agencies are continuing the psychological aspects. That work is still going on. Still going on today. Yeah. I'm former military, and it bothers me greatly that our country could continue to use military people as guinea pigs. And that's one reason I think I can dig into this, because if our government is abusing our military personnel like they've been known to do in the past, I would like to turn them over for that. It's worse than you imagine. In a time of war, a warning that rogue elements within the government are creating a new generation of assassin through mind control. Jesse Ventura's elite team of investigators and researchers will take on this top-secret conspiracy. Hey, I learned about all this stuff back in the 70s when it was revealed the MK Ultra program had gone on literally for two decades. Isn't this stuff out of a movie? Yeah, it was called The Manchurian Candidate. 
it's CIA experimentation and through torture you can basically create a second personality, basically a sleeper soldier. That is doable. So you're saying that the government is programming killers? Well, if you're old enough like me, you remember Sirhan Sirhan, the guy who allegedly killed Robert F. Kennedy. A lot of people claim that he was programmed. And he couldn't remember after he shot him that uh, he didn't remember anything about it. Even today, he claims no memory of it. Yeah, and what about Mark David Chapman, the guy who killed John Lennon? He never attempted to escape. He killed Lennon. He had opportunity to jump on the subway, run into Central Park, whatever, and yet he stood there, dropped the weapon, stepped back, and was there reading the catcher in the rye when the police arrived. Pretty bizarre behavior. What better way to do it than to create almost a zombie-like character who will carry out the mission with no regard whether they get caught or what happens to them in the end? We know that the CIA has tried mind control. We know that the technology exists. I've heard all about this stuff. Now I want to know, can it really be done? Find me somebody who can show me that it can be done. Coming up, Jesse Ventura sees how even you could be turned into a programmed killer. When I call you on the phone, I will give you a word, and that word is... Then, his bizarre confrontation with the U.S. Army general who invented the psychic super soldier. They could use the mind to explode the heart of a goat. And later... Jesse goes one-on-one -on -one with a real-life predator. Don't be surprised if some of your Navy SEALs weren't some of us. Jesse Ventura is chasing a deadly conspiracy, a secret government program that turns unwitting people into programmed killers, triggered through mind control. Everyone thought the program was dead. Insiders say it's not. I think it's important for you and for people in general to really grasp that this is a real thing, not just science fiction. Are Manchurian candidates real? Definitely. And really? I can show you some documents that will convince you of that. Okay. So I the government is in this business? Has been for sure for a documented fact. Dr. Colin Ross is a renowned psychiatrist and lecturer. He's written many books and papers on identity disorders and the CIA's experiments in mind control. Doctor, what's your definition of, quote, a Manchurian candidate? Basically, an artificially created multiple personality where there's another identity inside. was his own increasing distaste at the projects which he had been involved in. And one of the many things we talked to him about was about what is known colloquially as the Super Soldier Program. And to refer to a human being as this sort of asset, this disposable asset in the Super Soldier Program, tells you a little bit about how the powers that we have required the human life and the human spirit. And Duncan will tell you a little bit about this 
himself in the hour that he has available. But Duncan is the first generation of this particular program. And off record, we talked to Dr. Pete Peterson, and I'm going to be a little careful about this, but he, he talked about Duncan Athenian being the first generation of this program. And when we mean the first generation, we're not talking about fathers and sons, we're talking about leaps in technology. Like the first generation aircraft was the Wright Brothers. The second generation aircraft was um, a, uh, a Second World War early fighter jet. The third generation aircraft is the B-2 bomber. The fourth generation aircraft are the things that officially do not exist and which fly off in the super in the secret space program. The super soldier program is now in its fourth generation. And we were told some details about this. And I am still trying to I'm trying to I'm still trying to at least. I'm just reporting. Can you say the least? Um, that may be true. No, it's just that we don't know what generation yeah. for sure, because we don't know, you know, they haven't let on. Um, I'm just reporting what Dr. Peterson told us. The part was called Project Talent. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. And so... <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So, what you're going to hear just now is the personal story of somebody who is, who is well described as a real-life Jason Bourne. He's trying to discover his identity. He's trying to figure out who did this to him and why and what happened and what, he's, what memories he still has to recover in the past that are still black. We're very privileged to count him as a personal friend. He's got a man, he's, he's a man the heart the size of a planet. We love him to pieces. And the best story here is told from him in person. This is the important part of conferences like this. When you're looking at a little video, which is two inches by three inches on your computer screen, or reading a transcript is not the same as hearing the words spoken from the heart of the man who's been so deeply affected by these programs. And Duncan Opinion, please come to the stage. The logical progression of that becomes robots. Okay. Um, becomes things like the Terminator. Becomes things like human beings that are combined with machines who have limbs that have been um, uh, enhanced. And, and I'm sure that Duncan can, can clarify this for you. Um, but, but that's where we're going with this. So I just wanted to be a little more specific, not quite so general so that you understood where we're going with this. And um, there is no uh, superficial relationship between some of the things that Pete Peterson was involved in and we are not allowed to talk about and what the other levels of what Duncan was 
was the first, uh, if you will, uh, test case or the main test case, um, the prototype, however you want to put it, the human prototype. Or, okay, so with those leading comments, um, you can take that where, where you will. Duncan O'Finian. Well, I did not expect this. <laughs> uh, thank everybody for showing up this morning, uh, especially Bill and Carrie and Project Camelot for letting me do this. Um, I have no clue before I talk what I'm going to say. I just walk up and let it come out. Um, I'll start with, as Bill was alluding to, uh, the generations of uh, this project. He is correct. There, this is basically the fourth generation that we're in now. Uh, I was first generation 1960s. There was a previous generation in the 1950s that was a failed experiment. So basically in my generation they started the program all from new, all from scratch. And we're right now, if my information is correct, in the fourth generation. What I'd like to do tonight, or this morning, hey, I'm still on East Coast time, I don't know what time it is. Um, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try to stay away for the first 20 minutes or so from any scientific standpoint. What I'd like everyone to do is take a couple of deep breaths, exhale it slowly, relax yourself. Yeah, I'm going to try a little experiment of my own and see how it goes. We're going to tell a little story. The story starts in the winter of 1966. And if anybody knows what eastern Kentucky looked like in 1966, well, you're better than I am because I don't remember. Um, you're talking two-lane roads, mostly gravel. Um, it looked... Eastern Kentucky in the 1960s looked like a throwback to the 1920s. And that's where I'm from. Well, one winter afternoon, I'm loaded up in a truck by my parents. And I'm taken to a hardware store. It's the only hardware store in the entire county. And in the back of that store is a room that has a hidden door. I walked by that wall with the door numerous times with my dad and my granddad did not know what was there so I was taken in with my mom by my mom and we went through the door and in this room was about 8 to 12 other kids about my age, I was 6 years old and they're all sitting at these little low kindergarten type tables and they all have puzzles and they're trying to put the puzzles together now, walking around the room is a lady of European descent with an extremely heavy accent. And she comes over to me and helps me take my jacket off and sets me down and asks me if I'd like to play. Six years old, of course I want to play. She gives me some puzzle pieces and says, make a picture out of the pieces. Well, for years, since I've started to regain all my memories. We had thought that the test itself was making the correct 
picture with the puzzle pieces. We don't believe that's so now. What we think it was now was the lady's name was Helga. She was a transmitter. Okay. She's a good friend of mine. I'm, I'm allowed. I'm allowed. <laughs> what we believe now is that Elga was a sender, a transmitter, a psychic transmitter. And the test was to see if I would be a strong enough receiver. Because as the project transgressed through the years, we were made it up with another. One being a transmitter, one being the receiver. One being the spotter, one being the shooter. And that's how we wound up being two and three-person three teams, sometimes five. Okay? But we were always together, psychic, the soldier. Now, I'm just going to jump around a little bit because I have an hour, and I'm going to assume most of you have seen the interview at one time or another. Okay. Project Talent, the easiest way to explain what Project Talent was, is basically or was basically the taking of other people's talents and using it for their own purposes. Each one of us taken into this project had a specific talent, which the government took, trained, increased, enhanced, and exploited. We were never supposed to regain our memories, but most some of us have. In 1966, in the group that I was in, there was 1,000 of us. There's less than 20 today. Half didn't survive. Now, The process, well, first of all, how many knows what multiple personality disorder is? Yeah, it's probably what I expected. <laughs> they, what they did with us is they split our personalities. This was an art, artificially induced. And if you look at one of the paintings on the back wall, when you have a chance, you'll see a, a graphic description of what was done. The alternate personality is the one that was trained in every martial art known to humankind. We were trained to fly every aircraft there was at that time. We were trained in every aspect that you could think of, every art of war, every part of the military there was. We were, in essence, uh, par-elite of soldiers and we were used all around the world uh, a lot of our assignments were for termination uh, a good deal was for intelligence gathering but by and large we were assassins here and some and someone needs to be held responsible for this so where do we start? Who do we hold responsible now? I'm 50 years old. 
the people who did this to us in my generation are probably long gone. However, the projects continue under different names, different guises. They still continue. So how do we stop it? Anybody? How do we stop it? I'm just a loud mouth on stage. That's one. How about we turn ourselves against them? We were created to be a private army in the future. People ask me, what, if you're exposing this, you went through all this, why are you still alive? I'm still alive for two reasons. I was part of a project. The project has not ended. It's still ongoing. The reason most of us are still alive is they hope to activate us one last time and be the protectors, the private army of the elite of this country. I'm not going to do it. And I don't know any of us that will. Now... What I'm going to do with the rest of my time is kind of turn this over to the audience. You know, I don't have a whole lot new to talk about. I've pretty much done that. There's a lot of new things that is still in the hypothesis stage. I never say anything as fact unless I have three points of reference and proof to back it up. So what I like to do is turn this over to kind of a quasi-Q&A, if you don't mind. So if anybody has anything that they would like me to add on to or to explain more, let's do that for a while. Yeah. She got her hand up for you. <laughs> That's fine. Cool. Okay. Well, what happened with me is I was in a car accident about 12 years ago, and I had to have an MRI done on my skull, and it didn't like the chip, or the chip didn't like it. So it's not completely deactivated, but it's been damaged enough. Um, what's going on now with some of us is, this is going to sound so unbelievable, our alternate personalities are beginning to merge with our primary personalities. What was once two people are now becoming one. And that is something that the Illuminati, the elite, the bankers, who, whatever title you want to put on them, that is something that scares them to death. Because the alternate personalities are integrating our memories our emotions 
That they can't have. You mentioned in the video that um, you have some telekinetic abilities. And are you able to consciously control these or in, in this personality at this point? And I, I sure love to see a demonstration. <laughs> and also, do you know how, you know, can you recall and, and train other people on how to use some of the stuff you learn? Yeah, amazing, Randy. We'd like to see that too. <laughs> Uh, most of any psi abilities that I have are tied into the alternate personality. Uh, one of the reasons that I was the shooter is because I was best at being a soldier, not the psychic spy, not the remote viewer. I was one of the worst remote viewers in the world. You know, I was more suited to be a physical augmented soldier. Project Monarch. For dark, dark ceremonies in order to control the, the kind of the orgasmic energy of the darkness. Uh, right. And I was wondering, do you know about this? That's yeah, that's Kundalini magic. Uh, that ties in. A lot of these programs use ritualistic magic, and it is dark magic. So, yeah, I am aware of what you're talking about. Yeah, because she claims to have had sexual relationships with a lot of people in power throughout the years. Her and a bunch of women that, like you, are starting to remember and have right. shattered multiple personalities, very similar stuff. So. Right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Hello, good morning. Thank Hi. you for being here. Um, I read Andrew's game, and I just want to know, have you read Andrew's game? And I guess, have they tried to take these people off planet to cover it up, and like how much of that is true or false? Okay. I didn't quite understand. Oh, um, have you ever read the book Ender's Game oh. by Orson Scott Card? No, I haven't. Okay. I don't watch movies. I don't read, <laughs> don't read books. I, I stay away from it as much as I can. Because your story reminds me of Ender's Game, and basically Orson Scott Card writes about grooming a six-year-old to fight the alien invaders that will be coming in the future. But in Ender's Game, what happens is that, you know, the government wants to cover everything up, and so they ultimately take people off planet. So I was just wondering if you knew... I'm familiar with what you're saying, but I really couldn't answer anything. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. I guess we all have books and... Um... <laughs> that kind of relate to this. And mine is uh, Transformation of America. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with it, yeah. Uh, in that particular book, pedophilia was one of the means they used to create the multiple personality. And I just wondered, was, is pedophilia a part of your... I have no memory of sexual abuse. Um, this is the reason I wanted to do the Q&A. Every question is leading me into the explanation I was wanting to get, to get into. My alternate was instilled due to trauma-based torture. Okay. I was over a period of time. What a lot of people think when they see the uh, previous interviews is that 
once I was taken from Kentucky to wherever I went, this was done instantaneous over one day. No, this took place over weeks and months. All right. We started out with being strapped into a wooden chair with the strobe lights, um, being talked to, slapped around. I learned what water, waterboarding was by the time I was seven. Okay. Then they would start with the needles under the fingernails. They would do one, and a few days, maybe a week later, two. The purpose for this was to increase the pain tolerance. Okay. They wanted us to have a pain tolerance that was unbelievable. So they could finally get to the point to where they had all ten fingernails with needles underneath and then an electric current being put through them. Then I was given a drug so that I could not faint. I couldn't black out. So at that point, your psyche has a choice to split off to an alternate personality or die. I split. Most of them didn't. Does that help? Does that help? I think you're very brave to come to this sort of meeting. Uh, I would think you can get a risk. But anyway, you were mentioning that there were initially a thousand recruits. Now, did all thousand go through the program, or you said there are only 20 remaining? It's my understanding that there's only 20 of us remaining alive. The thousand that was, were taken into the project in 1966, we were first-generation augmented individuals. They were from all over the world. Uh, I remember uh, kids from Australia, England. Uh, when I say all over the world, I'm talking about the allies, allied countries that we had at that time. I do know that the former Soviet Union was working on a very similar program as well as China was working on a similar program. There was uh, one incident in my early 20s when I went up against one of the Soviet, so my Soviet counterparts. I lost that one. How did your parents uh, react to this? Uh, did they have a problem with that? <laughs> my parents? I'm going to be diplomatic. <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's an excellent question. My father was in the CIA. That's how my involvement came about. This is a generational project. Um, I haven't spoken to my mother or my siblings in over 20 years. And I have no desire to. What do they think about this? Eh. They would probably assume see me in the ground right now, and that's being diplomatic. Duncan, I'm very sympathetic with your state. Um, the severe trauma that makes the multiple personality disorder, and, and in fact, uh, most of our soldiers who go abroad and experience trauma experience something called post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. So you have a very severe case of that, and I would like to suggest if you didn't know about it. There are some very good mind-body medicine techniques that can be used to uh, really release the trauma and emotions connected with the trauma that could possibly lead to a healing. And when you said that you felt that the various personalities were beginning to merge, actually I think that's the mind-body trying to heal. But I think the point is that you want to get rid of 
the traumatic stress disorder so that you can go back to being your whole self. So if you want more information about that, I may be able to help you. Sure, thank you. The problem with that, with the personalities merging, um, when that be when that begins to take place, we really don't have a choice. Uh, we either let the personalities merge together, we let the implanted personality take control, which would not be a good thing, or we become one person, kind of right down the middle with the original and the augmented, something that at least has some emotions and some understanding of right and wrong. The alternate personality has, at that time, before the beginning merged, has no emotions. Uh, right and wrong means nothing. Okay, simply follow orders. Definitely thank you for being here and sharing with us today. Yep. Um, it's probably been a couple of years since I'd seen uh, your interview. I was wondering if you could talk about uh, the experience when you were in a, a team as you were at Youngsters when you came in. I don't remember if you guys stood in a, a semicircle or a full circle, but took out the enemy. If you could discuss uh, your perspective on the energetic uh, mechanics of what was going on, how you did that, and uh, perhaps some of the other phenomena that might have been similar. Yeah. Um, shh, don't tell anybody. We were in Cambodia. We weren't supposed to be in Cambodia during Vietnam, okay? But we were there. There are some people in this room that were there. Uh, after we're finished, if anybody wants to talk to them, I'll introduce you. We were flown in as part of a rescue operation. Uh, a couple of SEAL teams and OSS teams were pinned down by Kamar Rouge fire. Um, the process by uh, what we did, I really don't have an explanation. But you're correct. We came out and we formed a semicircle facing the direction of the enemy fire. And we do have some more information on that since we did the interview. Um, there were 12 of us. I was team leader. Consider each of us as an individual acted as a battery. And we transferred all that energy into something else. It was a 13th person, but we don't know who the 13th person was. A 13, again, being a ritual number. Uh, the number of dead that day numbered in the hundreds. We then got back on the chopper, and we flew off. So I take it that that was also another aspect of the training that one of the other personalities Correct. is this school did. Correct. Thanks. Thank you, Doctor, for being here. Very brave. Okay. I watched the video with Dave Corso, and you seem to have more memory than he did. He doesn't seem to be uh, have the memories that you do, or it doesn't seem to be stable. Was he in your program, or was he the generation that failed? No, um, Corso was not in 
my particular project, he was in a uh, different sub-project. Okay, Project Talent wasn't the only game in town with all this. There were a dozen sub-projects going on. Uh, for example, Project Talent fell underneath the umbrella of MKUltra. MKUltra being a catch-all phrase for anything concerning mind control. There were uh, 172 different sub-programs under MKUltra, Project Talent being one. And Project Talent was where I began, and you know, I was moved, as I said uh, a lot of times, when I have Project Talent, it's like going to school. Okay? And I was moved from Project Talent to the Ultimate Warrior Project because I was more suited to be a physical soldier than a mental-slash-psychic soldier. To answer your question about Dave Corso, Dave Corso began getting his memories back right to the time he should. Late 50s, pushing 60, 61. That is when the, the blocks begin to wear down and the memories start to come together. He got them back right at the perfect time. I got my memories back because of an automobile accident. Um, if I had not had the accident, I don't think I'd be standing up here right now. I would probably still be utilized, and I would probably be in the Middle East right now. Would you still be working? I have no doubt that I would still be part of the program. Thank you. Yep. grandfathers at that time. Uh, one name was Bull. He was a uh, full-blood Cherokee. Uh, the other was uh, my father's stepfather. And I grew up more with uh, my father's stepfather than I did the other. What county or what town were you from? Ashland. And you're not old? Okay. I know where you're from. I know where you're from. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. During that time, uh, the mountains were littered with people that Bale Bosmans would have loved to have seen. <laughs> it probably still are. <laughs> I had, in all honesty, I have not been back there in 17 years. It's been that long since I've been back. And I seriously doubt if I will ever go back. Duncan, you talked about um, 
how the two personalities for those less than 20 of you from your group who are still here is merging, those right. two personalities. What, and that those in power are fearful of that, I believe you said, they don't want that to happen. Right. Can you just touch a little bit on that and why? What's causing those two personalities at this time to merge? What's causing the merging? We have no clue, and neither, neither do they, because it was not supposed to take place. What terrifies them about the two personalities merging? My alternate personality, one of my alternates, I have four. Um, two of them, we don't know how they got there. Okay. My primary alternate is known as Omega Unit 197. He knows where all the bodies are buried. He has all the knowledge, all the locations, the dates, the places, the bank accounts, etc. Imagine when we finally merge, I'll have that knowledge in this personality. That better terrify him, because I will turn it against him. Hi there. Uh, I just want to sort of uh, step in here and, and, and sort of move, help move things along here. Duncan, you're doing a great job. Um, there's some interesting energy in the room right now. Uh, Miriam Delicato, are you in the audience? she there? Okay, if she is, could she please come on stage? Thank you. Uh, this is Dave Corso. Okay. Um, I need a break for a minute. <laughs> we're just we're, we're just giving that Duncan a, a little breather here, and um, I'd like yep. David Corso to say a few words to you. Uh, Duncan does have more than one alternate, and uh, he is investigating this very deeply. Um, you have to understand that when somebody does that, breaking down those walls makes them very vulnerable. And um, and and if you've seen the recent Terminator movie, it's no lie. Okay, so you just follow that character's trajectory in trying to find out what was done to him and watch his emotions, and you'll have some clue as to what's going on here, okay? Um, so if you haven't seen the movie, I encourage you to do so, because it's, it's really to the point. Dave Corso. Thank you. explain to you how I met Duncan in this iteration of life. We had a mutual friend named Doug Morrow. Doug Morrow was the 13th member of the team. When the helicopter landed in yeah, excuse me, PTSD, there's, a, there's an energy in here that's working now on me. I suspect <laughs> My team has sent the rest of another special forces type team. We had problems. I called for a backup. Well, about 10 minutes later, the CH 47 Chinook lands and these 12 kids get out. What the hell is this? Bullets flying everywhere. There's this little kid. 
With a big afro. Mm -hmm. Oh, I that one right there. <laughs> this is one thing else. This, before I could ask the question, these kids form a circle. Join hands and there's a thunderclap and a flash of light like I've never seen. I looked at the helicopter as my, my vision comes back. And there's a guy, I said, I don't know who the hell that guy is. I don't know what his uniform is. He was an officer in the Army, I think. Make a long story short, they flew away. We got our, we got the other team. You were sent to rescue, and I said, Master Sergeant, what do you know? What do you recall? He said, blinding flash, bullet stopped. And there were hundreds of Vietnam cottages. We went our way back out, and we got to our chopper and got out of there. About two weeks later in Saigon, I run across this officer again, and he had this horrified look on his face. He had an insignia on his shoulder that I have never seen before. Okay, that was 1967. Let's fast forward to 1992. I'm in Pahrump, Nevada with my computer shop, and this guy walks through the door. And my first instinct was to kill him. And I said, why do I feel that way? Well, as he introduced himself, his name was John Morrow. As he and I talked, I could sense there was something unusual about this gentleman. Well, John and I got to be good friends, and one day... After I had closed my shop, John was over because I was doing some work on his computer. I said, let me tell you, John, what I first experienced with you. I said, when you first came in my shop, I said, my first instinct was to kill you, and John Morrow's face got ashen white. I said, I know you from Vietnam. I said, when you introduced Duncan and I in this iteration, you were surprised that we knew each other, and you were even more surprised that Sean and I knew each other. I said, you didn't expect that. He said, no. He gave me some more background on Dunk because he was one of Dunk's trainers. John Morrow was a very unassuming gentleman. When you look at him, you think, what a big teddy bear. John loved cats. John loved my dogs. John was my friend. But he was a robot. There's a robot or two in here today. I no longer sense there being a danger. But when I met Dunk, and I'm not telling the story about the yellow snake either. <laughs> That's a story for another time, but you won't believe it. I didn't. My son, I have a son that's named David Thomas. He has an unusual knack of he'll ask me what I think are stupid questions till I think about it. My nightmare started in 1983. My son and I are sitting in the little two-man rubber life raft fishing in Strawberry Lake in California. He looked at me and said, Daddy, I got a question for you. I said, what's that? He says, what did you do in Vietnam? What did you really do? Because at times, man, you just act really weird. I said, he's nine years old. What's he asking me if I did in Vietnam for? I said, I think I did this. That night, the nightmare started. Dunk and I have been through iterations of life together, as have Allison and I and Laura and I. I'm here to meet people to tell you this. Whatever Duncan says, you can take it to the bank.
Dunk has other information that I don't know if he's going to share today or not that I'm privy to. He talked about teams of three. Well, the third member is here today. I'm the anchor, Dunk's the soldier, we have the outlook. This iteration of outlook. There are more than one. I am so grateful that I live in this country. I had an opportunity to go to work for the Russians after my term was in, over in the U.S. military. I looked at this guy and I says, what are you going to give me? Make me a major for six months to get my information and kill me? As I turned to walk away, he was gone. That quick. Happened on a street in Oakland, California. You all have good hearts and souls, but I've seen one thing, because my, my talent is taking a mosaic and making a picture. A lot of you have a lot of the pieces. We need to, we need to sit down as a group and not design a camel, which is a horse designed by committee, but sit as a group, bring out one truth. The truth stands by itself. And what is the truth? Well, it's something that's politically acceptable today. It may not be politically acceptable tomorrow. Or the truth is this. Relaying an event or situation exactly as it is without taking to or adding from that event to make someone right or somebody wrong. Believe me, I know that's true. People say I'm crazy. Oh, I'm not crazy. It just happens you're not in my normal realm. I have wolves. I raise wolves. And I have a wolf that lives in my house. He's a purebred wolf. You can dream on all you want. <laughs> I have a wolf named Herc. And Duncan and I made a 300-mile trip. It was about a 400-mile trip one way. I took Herc with me because I felt so inspired. Now, this wolf was, what, four months old? He was four months old. He got in the car and just like it was normal. 150 miles down the road, he stands up and looks at Duncan, looks at me, and I said, I think we better stop. <laughs> he had to do his thing. He got back in the car. We drove on. We got to our destination. And I said, This is, now this, I thought to myself, this is a tribute wolf. And this woman had two little dogs, as I recall. Yeah. And a cat. And a cat. My wolf <laughs> got along fine with them. Coming home. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. <laughs> you had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> well, I got a thing with dogs. Anyways, as we were coming home, we stopped at a well-known sandwich shop, and we got two burgers. Two for Dunk, two for me, and two for the dog. You know what? My dog wouldn't eat them. He buried them in the seat. I found them the next day. <laughs> so much for loving it, I guess. But I have had some amazing adventures with Dunk. Sitting in my living room, like it says in the interview, 
Now, stereo and things were turned off. It shouldn't make a noise, right? How about a loud pop that hurts your ears? Have you ever experienced that? Electronics go pop. It's a psychic attack. You were there. You should know. Is that how your twin sister was there? <laughs> I have a lot of fun with life. Things seem to be clear in here now. And if they're not, bring it on. Entity, I'm ready for you. That's right. Um, let's, let's take a couple of the other questions here. And you've got two people. Uh, you can ask either one. Uh, Duncan has actually got a mic on him. Duncan, say a few words so we can make sure it's working. Does it work? Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Okay, hi. I'm just wondering, if we were to look at x-ray photographs of your arm, your shoulder, and your head, do we see anything interesting in those? You would see metallic objects. Uh, I have x-rays and photographs of an implant in my left hand, the cranial implant. Uh, I don't have one of the shoulder because I can't seem to get my HMO to pay for it. Do you think you could release those online for us? Pardon? Could you release those photographs online for us? They are. They are? They are. Are they on your website? They're on my website, yeah. Thanks. Hmm? Like if you could say that website one more time. DuncanOfannon.com. First, I just want to thank you both for being here today and for being courageous enough to, to speak with us and tell your story. Um, I do have a few questions. Um, one is Project Talent. What were some of the other talents that the children uh, expressed? And um, uh, if you could introduce us to some of them that are remaining today. Project Talent, like Dunk said, is a far-reaching talent. The far-reaching program, rather. My talent, among others, is taking a mosaic of little bits of information and giving you a very clear picture. That was been brought home this weekend. There are people here that I was meant to meet. There's three in the back room right now. I wasn't taken for periods of time. I was taken for the summers. I was a summer school, so to speak. My training started when I was six years old, when my brother brought home, who was, happened to be a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps at the time, brought home a 22 target rifle. That was part of my training, because he was also in project, early project talent, as I found out later. But I would be gone in the summer from home in time to go to school. And I had all these memories of being with my Uncle Ed, who was a peddler, great con man. I asked my mother one time before she died, I said, Mom, I got a question for you. She said, what? I said, I have these memories of being with my Uncle Ed in the summertime, going out on the road. She says, you were never with your Uncle Ed. I said, then what did I do? She said, when you get older, you'll figure it out. And Mother gave me that smile that says, you've asked enough questions. Mother, God rest her soul, went home in 1993. Before she went, she showed me a journal she had kept at the time I was in the service. Every time I got hurt, every time something significant happened on a mission, she wrote down where I was, what I was doing, and where I got hurt and what the event was. I said, how did you know this? She says, I am your psychic anchor. I said, I didn't know that. 
She said, there's lots you don't know yet. And my mother, God rest her, was an angel. Boy, could she be a holy terror. I'm different than Dunk. I don't have any Native American blood in me that I know of. However, I say I'm Sicilian, that's because my mother was Scotch-Irish. <laughs> my father was purebred Sicilian, and I was raised by my grandparents. And it's interesting to know that when I was talking to the third member of our team, Friday morning, I'm laying in bed at my niece's before I come over here, at 4.30 in the morning, and I said, Hey, Allie, it's 4.30. Sent a message to him, but he never gets it. I asked Allie, I said, What happened at 4.30 this morning? She said, I woke up out of a sound sleep and sat up and said, What's this? Psychic abilities are alive and well. I'm just finding out what mine are. I never thought, about, never thought to even question myself about it. But last night, we were sitting in the cafe. Allie and I looked at each other at the same time, and somebody was there. Somebody was there. There was a psychic vampire. It was the second thing we noticed. Robots don't know they're being used. They don't know what training they've had. They have no knowledge, no memory. So we can't hold it against them personally. But understand, as many people as there are, are different programs because everybody has different natural native talents that have to be capitalized on. And I hope I've answered your question. Yes, you did. I have two more, actually. Go ahead. You, you almost actually lead it into them. Um, the second question is, how can we locate, communicate with uh, the members of the subsequent uh, programs, uh, the next generations that they were talking about, and uh, help them to understand what's going on with them? I don't think you want to. Uh, we are the way we are without explanation. We don't have one. As I said earlier, we were never supposed to retrieve our memories, at least not at this age. I helped Dave get his back. I got mine back due to an automobile accident. So I woke up early. The generation of people that are in this project today, which would be the fourth generation, geez, <laughs> that is a very scary thought to try to locate one of these guys and communicate and try to reason with that person if they're in an altar. We have some information about the fourth generation that I think in the context of what you've told us, we should maybe say a few words about. Um, these, these soldiers are not human. They can sit in a doctor's surgery and pass the tests and the doctor would not know if it was not an invasive test. Blood pressure, reading, EEG, ECG, they'd pass the test. They'd be a healthy, strong-looking, quite large, muscular-looking man. The person who told us this once had a company, had a corporation, and the name of that corporation was Cyberdyne. 
Anyone seen the Terminator movies? Okay. This is a reference to what we heard yesterday about how the reality merges into the Hollywood movie industry as a way of, I believe primarily as a way of disguising the truth because when somebody says, hey, you know, these stargates are real, then they get laughed at because it was just something that came out of a movie script. This is how they hide things like that. Cyberdyne is one of those examples. Um, the person who told us this, we pushed quite a lot. We had quite an interesting conversation about it and uh, we, were, we were given to understand that one of, the, one of the functions, one of the many functions of these, um, these soldiers, for lack of a better word, of course they can go into space without any problem at all. They don't need to breathe. And the numbers of these soldiers, we were told, was something in the region of 15,000. They've never been deployed in combat, we were told. Because then their existence would be revealed. But whoever the enemy is, and we're not sure in this context, they are given to believe that they exist, but they've never been used. Now, that's pretty much all I know. Um, I'd like to ask Dave and Duncan here whether this fits with what you believe you understand. This is a conversation we haven't had. It of necessity has to fit. I mean, Bill gave an analogy with airplanes on the generations. Let's take, let's take a better look. Let's take a look at computers. 1962, when I was first introduced to computers, that almost filled this room. Yet I have one sitting on my desk. Well, I have six computers in my network at home. I happen to like to play with computers. But it's just like the computer is uh, the three years old. It has more computing power than the first five computers they built that were the size of this room. Every, now it used to be every two years and it was every 18 months. Now it's every year they double the capacity and abilities of microprocessor chips. Microprocessor chips about the size of a half dollar. Used to be they had one computer, computer chip system inside there. Then there was two. Now there's four. Same size chip. So his, his analogy that he wants is, what's the fourth generation like? They're probably in fifth or sixth generation by now. That to me is absolutely terrifying. And I'm scared of damn few things in this world. And we're not talking about the yellow snake either. <laughs> All right, I'll confess, I hate snakes. <laughs> I won't do it to <laughs> Listen, long and short, you do not create an army unless you intend to deploy that army. This fourth generation super soldier, warrior soldier, whatever you want to call it, are some bad people. I couldn't stop one. I was the best we had at my generation. I cannot stop one. The possibility is very, very real. They will be turned loose on the American populace. 
What are you going to do about it? I want to stop it. If they turn these, these, this fourth generation loose on us, we're toast. And they will try to reactivate each and every one of us from first, second, and third generation to join with them. If we don't expose them now and try to at least put up a blockade, we will not have a chance. They are that good. They are that strong. They are that invincible. We have very, very little time in which to pull this thing off. So what do you want to do about it? Just a little data point, which I've just remembered. We were told that two of these can pick up an Abrams tank. I can do a 1,000-pound deadlift at 49 years old and a broken neck. My neck was broken in three places in my car accident. I was never supposed to lift anything heavier than a cup of coffee. I can deadlift a 1,000 pounds. That's first generation. What Bill just said about fourth generation. Think about it. I just want to add that uh, it's not, it, it, we have been told, okay, um, can't say where our source came from, but that Duncan's quite, quite right, the, that the American people, for, for one, our target, will, could be the target, targets of, of some of this army um, at some point, okay, in the future. And we were also told that a war is anticipated, if you will. One, with China, and two, with a visiting races off planet. Okay? And that these <clears throat> beings that are being created actually have the capacity to... Um, to handle that situation. And all of this is absolutely top secret. Absolutely. And, um, and, and the fact that Duncan is coming forward, and, and Dave Corso, and the fact that they found each other, means that there's a power higher and more powerful than anything created by man. It's testimony to that. The, the fact that we are finding each other there's some other people in this audience today that found us and found Dave Corso and, and Duncan. And they were involved as well. And they, some of them, don't even know how deep uh, yet. Okay? Um, some of those people were used, again, against their will. And I have to say that, you know, there are a lot of soldiers out there being used in very many different ways that they don't realize. There are also people, sleepers, all around us that are being used even at night in their, uh, if you want to call it their light body, being used, okay, being trained, being utilized. So th this, this is a very deep rabbit hole, so I just wanted to sort of paint that for you a, a bit. Say that again. Blockade. 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 Oh, no, no. I said uh, throw up a block to try, like, like playing football, to try to put a block up so if they can't get to you. 
information. We need as many people to come forward as possible. We need you. Anything an individual can do, even if it's as, as little as mentioning what's talked about here on a radio program, even to be a call-in, as, even as, as much as writing your congressman, I know that's a waste of time, but you can flood their offices. I know I've written the president, okay? I get uh, fan letters. <laughs> Whatever you can do, because people, we're, this is a war. Make no mistake about it. And we are going to be fighting an enemy that you cannot imagine. Okay? So we need help. We need your help. That's very true. That's absolutely very true, and I appreciate everything you and others that I know in here that are working right now. Okay, that's very true. But at the same time, we've got to, we need a physical presence to show a physical presence that we know who you are, we know what your agenda is, we're going to stop you one way or another. All, all the love and light works with it. They complement each other. You can't have one without the other. That's, that, that's my, the point that I was trying to make. And I do have a nasty habit of speaking too fast because my brain works faster than my mouth. And a lot of times it doesn't make sense. So you just have to tell me to shut up, say it again, <laughs> slow down with it, and go. Um, it's my last question. And after I'll just offer, a, I'll just offer one possible solution. Um, but um, I'm glad you mentioned that everyone has talents. I was curious how... The rest of everyone here, as well as around the world, can identify and develop their talents responsibly. It's general, genuinely widely accepted that everyone has a certain degree of psi abilities, that we're born with that. If you're asking me how would you go about strengthening or enhancing that, first of all, stay away from anything that says project on the, the beginning of it. <laughs> Except for Project Camelot, of course. (laughs) All right, my mistake. (laughs) Find a teacher. Find a teacher. Someone who is a white lighter, a true white lighter, and work with them. Let them teach you. And then the possible solution, it was with the conversation with Cynthia and another one of the guests. Uh, She said that, uh, similar to what this individual was talking about, if we can send um, white light energy and love, uh, call it prayer, call it what you will, um, to, you know, it's a radical idea, but to the Illuminati or the leaders out there so that they can help to understand really what they're doing and so that they will have more love and actually change their mind to prevent unleashing such a super soldier force. Um, as well as helping to shield them in the same energies that are shielding you uh, so that the negative energies that are around them will not be able to be around them. Well, you raise a, an, very, an excellent point, but however, believe me, the Illuminati know exactly what they're doing. Uh, to pick up on what you were running with, um, thought equals action. So, as the lady here said, with the positive thoughts, absolutely, you can manifest those positive thoughts into reality. 
what you're saying has merit and possibly has a chance. But in the meantime, we need to have some type of preparation if it doesn't work. Uh, Absolutely. Thank okay, you so I want to say something here. Um, what we're talking about is awareness. Okay, being awake and being aware, knowing. Okay, becoming aware. Just the act of learning and becoming aware. Just what we're doing right here. This creates the power. Okay, it's not enough to just send blind light, blind love. Okay, it must be intelligent. It must have perception attached. You must do more than just give the heart, okay? You must understand what you're seeing and why you're doing what you're doing. That's, so knowing and putting that piece together, that's, that's the missing piece, okay? And then it's awareness, okay? What you want to convey is the awareness of all the aspects of what's going on there, okay? So if you're loving, you're loving consciously, knowing, all the parameters of what that means, not blindly, okay? So don't give your energy blindly. If you know, if you want to give your energy and power and light and love to the Illuminati, know what you're doing. Be conscious while you're doing it. I, I want to tell you that um, in that respect, there's something that I've done in the past in a particular situation where there were so many people involved, there were so many levels of understanding what I, I really sat and I meditated and asked my contacts, what is it that I can send to them? So I sent one message. I asked for every individual involved to see the truth, to understand it, and accept it. Because the truth will come from universal understanding and not only truth on the level of life here. So the truth would be that um, they are doing wrong and they would see it, they would understand it, and they would accept it. And then there is no choice at that point comes change. So send them and send the world that the world sees and understands and accepts the truth. Thank you. So awareness is its best defense. That's your defense, okay? Total awareness. That means when the earth and all of humanity is an awake being, one awake being, then nothing can stop you. Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Um, have either of you tried hypnosis to fill in some of the blanks or merge the personalities? I know it's probably a silly question. You probably... Oh, no, it's, it's not a silly qu uh, question at all. It's a logical assumption that we had done that. And to answer your question, yeah, I did once. Did, I tried did to kill the therapist. Oh. The alternate... The alternate uh, took over and tried to kill the therapist. I, I was going to volunteer, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that. We have this is an idea that some of us have actually bounced around for a couple of years. Is uh, if we can find a therapist who's willing to do this, 
I would have to be chained to where I couldn't move. And then you can do what you do, and if, if not if, but when the alternate is triggered, hopefully you'd be safe. I'm game. Okay. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Okay. Um, I have a statement that um, is going to be very profound for you. Uh, I have contact with beings from other worlds, and I have my whole life. Uh, I have been, uh, the government has tried to kill me because I am a product of a hybrid program they created. But recently, when I was in Laughlin, I was very blessed to meet a man who has been taken out of his bed against his will, forced on these ships and trained, and this is, includes his family, trained to use alien technology to kill. And Barbara Lamb, as some of you know, did not know how to respond other than, did you try using love and light on these beings to stop them? And the gentleman said, there is no amount of love and light to stop them. And he was brought to me and I said to him, if, you, if love and light and all these religious different things people say uh, send the, the power of the Christ energy to them doesn't work, perhaps they are of the light. And all of a sudden I was downloaded with information that just blew me away. And I found out there is a number of thousands upon thousands of Syrian warriors of light that are on this planet now that have the ability with the alien technology to protect the light workers not only to protect them they will kill them if they have to and they are, are designed to go up against the superhumans and you would not believe what they are doing. I have been shown the Stargates, as I know you guys know about the Stargates. What's going to happen on the Stargates? You know about that. I'm not touching that one. Okay, all right. I do know about the Stargates. Okay, well, I've been shown what's going to happen in the future. But I have to tell you, you have to trust in the Syrian warriors of light. They are here for a purpose Many of them are just beginning to wake up. They also have with them, besides the army that's going to help fight against the superhumans, they also have people, including a 13-year-old girl I met, who literally can do hands-on healing. And she is also Syrian. They're waking up. They're getting ready. They're preparing. And they said, there's an urgency now, now to wake up. And we all need to put our own light and love behind them and with them because we are, we're going to have a hard job it's going to be very hard but we can do it thank you thank you, thank you. hi thank you for being here um, my question you mentioned yesterday on the panel um, one of the positive things that you were doing to kind of just for the next year, you would mention music. 
but you had just mentioned that you don't watch television or anything like that or movies. So, and I, I understand that your, your training was probably trauma-based, but there is music triggers as well. So I'm just curious as to is there any music that you can't or if anything has happened, if you have listened to any music? Uh, what I was doing yesterday was using, um, I think what I said about uh, if the government controls uh, alien ET disclosure, we're not going to like the music at that party. Uh, I was just using that as a Metaphor. comic reference. Um, but to answer your, your question fully, no, I, I watch very little TV. Uh, as far as music goes, I stick with classical. Um, I like Celtic music. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Duncan, uh, in light of the purpose and the whole way that Camelot works, which is to expose and to be protected by exposure of truth, have you guys thought about doing everything you could to get actual memories with dates, times, who was killed, where they were killed, and uh, a list of it that would fully expose the program and could uh, have a... Uh, yeah. That, in some respects, definitely that would definitely help to expose, but it wouldn't entirely expose. Um, what we have been doing is basically putting put in a call out for anyone who was involved in these projects to get in touch with us. And that, as I have made reference to with uh, people over this weekend, my group. That's my group. We're all past um, unwilling participants in one project or another with this. Um, so we're trying to come together. And by coming together and talking and putting all this together, that's how we're getting the dates, the places, and every, everything combined. What a lot of people have to understand is that they may remember an event at one time. I'll remember the exact same event with a different date. Then we'll have someone else who was also part of this exact same event, but they remember it at an entirely different date. And that is done because when the memory is repressed into the altered personality, you're told it happened at this date. But if you could check it against the actual record. That's, then that's, that's what we do. That's why I said earlier, I don't talk about anything as fact unless I have three points of reference in fact. <laughs> the same thing. Well, it seems to me uh, people coming up and saying I was this part of the program without being able to show what was actually done will, will bring people more into the awareness for this exposure. I have a question for you. What's your memory of what happened two hours ago? I What's your memory of what happened two hours ago? It's very good. Are you sure? Yeah. It's different than mine is. Yeah. I but does that make that. yours any the less true? There is a physical... Does it make your memory of what happened two hours ago any less true than what mine is? Yes or no? I'm not talking about our memories. I'm talking about checking it against physical universe facts. I'm asking, I'm setting this, I'm going to give you an example here if you'll just bear with me. Okay. Yes or no, does it change yours, your perception of what happened two hours ago? Yes or no? 
I actually wouldn't judge my perception that way. I would judge it by checking. You have not answered my question. All right. <laughs> the question is this. What happened two hours ago in your perception of what the world is and my perception of what the world is, are they the same? No, they're not. Does that make, by that, by your admission, does that make yours any the less valid? It doesn't make either one valid or invalid to me. Thank you. You have answered your question. The, the fact is, is that basically what happens, it also a lot depends on the age of the individual when they, the memory comes back. And as I said, they also screw with the memories when they repress them and push them back into the alternates. And they will, in that memory, screw with the dates. Right. Okay? right. Now, as to what you were alluding to also, is just because someone contacts us and says, I was in part of this project or this project, does that make it so? No, it doesn't. They have to go through our own little testing process to see if they really were or they weren't. Um, but to, to finish up with why we have the different perceptions on dates, we really don't have a correct answer, but we'll, there'll be a dozen of us. We'll remember the exact same event, the exact same people there, but we'll remember it. I'll remember it, say, spring. He'll remember it, say, the winter. But yet the event's the same. The year I, will be different. The month will be different. I understand. It just seemed to me that checking it against a historical record that is in okay. public domain would have I gotta do this. some effect. The problem with that is there's a reason these are called black operations. <laughs> they ain't supposed to happen. There are no, well, there are records, but none that we're going to be able to take and look at. So we can't, we can't do that. There's also, um, there's also time, time travel involved here. Okay, so, so, and there's messing with, there's implanted memories, false memories, false dates. There are layers upon layers. So you're, you, you know, it's, it, digging into this, this question is actually look for, for real life events. It, it's, it's a rabbit hole, okay? There are lo so many levels um, based on what we've, we've heard from, from various people. That includes the testimony of Henry Deacon, Arthur Neumann, okay? Um, and, and there's also something on the internet, uh, Stephanie Relf, who, who interviewed her husband, called the Mars Records. Very interesting. She used some uh, Scientology um, techniques as well as some other uh, healing techniques to, to get to the root of some of his memories. A lot of what he did happened on other timelines simultaneously when he was other places. I mean, it's, it's, it, it gives you a, a beginning of, of understanding how these, the, the layers can happen. Um, we, we actually, this is fascinating and, and this has been amazing. Um, thank you both, Duncan O'Finian, Dave Corso. And, yes, yeah, absolutely. I could have your attention for one minute. How many of you have ever got a phone call, you picked up the phone and there was nobody there? <laughs> How many of you use caller ID to screen your calls? 
Let me tell you a little adventure I had. I had a phone call. It looked like my son was calling me. However, when I picked up the phone, there were tones come out of the earpiece on the phone. It wasn't my son calling me. They can manipulate caller ID to give any number they want. If you pick up the phone and you hear something funny, or you think you hear something funny, hang the phone up. That's a very common way to initiate triggers. Just be warned when you're called. Make sure you, you feel comfortable answering the phone call. If I get a call from an unknown number or an 800 number or a blank number, I simply don't answer the phone. Yeah, I have to say, I have to say, you guys are being mind controlled. Okay, your televisions, you name it, the technical devices around you, scalar weaponry, you're all, it's not just these two guys, okay? It's happening to all of us. You must, you must become aware in order to, to, to resist it, okay? So you need to know that these things, telephone calls, television programs, various anomalous events that happen in your midst, uh, pulses sent through stereo equipment, actually wild things. We've had some things happen up here with some of this equipment. Same thing. Thank you very much for, for, for being here for this. Um, I'm, I'm actually seeing um, Alex Collier in the audience. I'm opening it to, if he wants to come on stage now rather than 11 o'clock, he's welcome. Uh, we can wait until 11. It's up to you, Alex. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.